Come on, everybody say mind games. I don't know about you, but every now and then, I feel like there's games going on in my mind. Like, there's always these thoughts that try to come at me, at anybody. And um, these thoughts can lead us down all types of different paths and can cause us to, really, our behavior comes from our thinking and, and how we live, the actions we make. It all starts with a thought. And last week, I started preaching on this idea of healing the man's mind. How many of y'all were here last weekend as we talked about healing the man's mind? And as I went home later that, that evening, I just started getting all of these thoughts and scriptures about the importance of keeping our minds and our souls healthy. And so I just wrote down in my notes, I, I'm going to preach a series on mental health. And um, we're starting that series this weekend. We're going to be going over the next five, six weeks, really diving into what does it look like to have a healthy mind, healthy emotions. And sometimes immediately when we hear that term, you know, mental health, we start thinking, well, that's not for me. I don't struggle with depression. I don't struggle with maybe suicidal thoughts. But the truth is, all of us need to grow in our mental health. Because mental health is not just confined to one or two extreme, you know, uh, cases of, of thoughts. It's any thought that's not from God, any thought that's a pattern in your mind that's holding you back from joy, from peace, from rest, from faith, from grace, from forgiveness. Any thought is a thought that we want to take captive. And so this is a series about winning in your mind. How many of you guys want to win in your thoughts? Like you, you just need to get your thoughts in a healthier place. All right. Proverbs 23, verse 7. If you got your Bibles, you can shout if you want. And uh, this is a scripture that really reminds us the power of thinking right thoughts. That as we think, so we are. As a man thinketh, so is he. Your thoughts are determining the direction of your life. The battle for your destiny is between the ears. If we can get our thoughts right, we can get our lives headed in the right direction. Paul says in Romans 12, verse 2, be transformed in your lives by the renewing of your mind. So in order to have a transformed life, it's gotta start in the thoughts. It's gotta start between the ears. And one of the thoughts that I, I think a lot of us in this room deal with, we may not admit it, is the thought that everything has to be perfect. A perfectionism, a pattern of thinking can hold you back from truly enjoying your life. And this week as I was studying, I just felt like I wanna tackle this stronghold right here, and that is um, the perfectionist mindset. So today, the title of the message is Embracing Imperfection. Embracing Imperfection. And uh, I really want to just kind of open this up to, to recognize some of us in the room go, I know somebody who needs to hear this sermon. I'm married to a perfectionist, right? Or I'm, I'm dating a perfectionist. Or I know someone who's like extremely focused on perfection. But the truth is, all of us have a little bit of this in us. Yesterday, as I was walking down the hall, I looked at something that was hanging uh, on our church hallway out here that's like right by the kids' area, and people are taking pictures in front of it. It's like a, some sort of a photo booth wall area. And all of, like, all the people that were walking past it, we all looked at it, and we were just like, something is off. Something is off. And when we looked at it, it was literally like tilted just two inches, but we could all tell something was off. And we had people who don't even work here, brand new people, they were like, can I please just fix that for you? Because it's driving me crazy. How many of you guys, you deal with this a little bit. Like if you walk into a house and a painting is just not centered, right? They didn't use the leveler. They didn't, they didn't make it perfect. It bothers you if you see it, right? And you're like, I just need to fix it. I just need to fix what's going on with your hair right now. I need to just take that, like there's a booger hanging from your nose and I just, I can't listen to you until we fix that, right? 
And, and so all of us have a little bit of perfectionism in us. And I wanna ask you a few questions just to kind of get you thinking. Um, could you be battling perfectionism? A few questions that might help answer that question if you deal with perfectionism. One of, one of the questions is, do you often avoid trying new things because you do not want others to see that you're not very good at it? Like, do you avoid trying new things because you're thinking, if I can't do it perfect, I don't want to be seen as like a failure in front of anyone. You might be a perfectionist. Do you usually think that you should have done things better? Right? That, that's something that I deal with. Like, I'll preach a sermon, and people will say, hey, well, it was a great message, and immediately I start thinking, yeah, but I should have done this, and I could have done that, and I wish I would have done that better. And then there's some sermons that I thought, man, that was really good. Like, it is an aim for me to preach a perfect sermon. I'm always thinking, is this going to be the one? Is this going to be the perfect sermon where everybody gives me thumbs up on YouTube, and I, it's like perfect in all of its ways? <laughs> there was this one time I was preaching a message. I kid you not. It was like five years ago. And I, I, right before I preached, I had to run to go use the restroom, came back out, come up on stage, and I am preaching a sermon that I'm like, this is a killer message. The only problem was nobody told me. And I was like, God loves you so much, and he is for you, and your best days are right in front of you, and he is not finished with you yet, and he's going to clean out every part of your life, you know, and I'm like getting into it. And finally, like, after a while, Ashley's like, hey, uh, toilet paper hanging from... And I was, I was so embarrassed. I was so mad. It was going to be the perfect sermon, and then there was toilet paper there. And there's been times where I feel like things are going well, and then one thing is off, right? It's the toilet paper. It's something... To, our society is obsessed with perfection, we look for it. Even when you come to church, you look for it. You don't realize it, but you do. You do. Um, like when we get used to these nice cameras and these nice screens, we look for it, and when something's off, we notice it. Just for a second, I want you to just blur, blur the view that they're looking at. I can already hear you like, oh my gosh, please, 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 get the HD quality back right now. But, 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 but just for a second, just kind of embracing imperfection, you're looking at it, it's bothering you, right? Raise your hand if it's kind of bothering you. Okay. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Our society, we crave perfection. All right, let's sharpen the image a little bit, bring it back. Everyone's going, ah, oh, praise God. I can rest. We got HD quality back. <laughs> but I'm telling you, perfectionism, it's a, it's a constant critical eye, a constant. You might be a perfectionist. If you put things off because it will take too much time to do them perfectly. I'm not going to start it. I'm not even going to get into this project unless I can cross all the T's, dot all the I's, and it's perfect in all of its ways. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 11 verse 4, whoever watches the wind will never plant, and whoever looks at the clouds will never reap a harvest. In other words, we procrastinate because we are too busy observing all the challenging and opposing factors that would stop it from being perfect. You might be a perfectionist if you put off tasks because you do not know exactly how to do them perfectly. Do you repeatedly relive mistakes that you've made in public, right? I think about this one. I think about the time I preached with my zipper unzipped and nobody told me, guys, we're friends, please. Next time, just come up here and be like, bro, turn around and zip the zipper, okay. Y'all, just tell me, okay? Paul the Apostle was someone who struggled, I think, with, with perfectionism. He wrote all these books in the Bible, and 
And when he got saved, like he went all in for Jesus. Extre- he was an extreme zealous, you know, um, like religious guy who, who terrorized the church because he didn't understand Christianity. And then when he got saved, he went all in for Jesus, but he became extremely focused on doing it all right. To the point where I think he got frustrated with himself because perfectionist, it's like, it's hard to just feel restful. It's hard to feel good at the end of the day unless you've accomplished everything and not just accomplished it, but accomplished it perfectly. <laughs> and so he wrote about his journey, his story of imperfections in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And he says this in verse eight. He says, three times I begged God to get rid of this thing that was bothering me. Like it was just messing with my ministry. It was an imperfection. It was a thorn in my flesh. And by the way, when he uses thorn in the flesh, he doesn't necessarily mean a natural physical thorn in his flesh. He means something that just wasn't right. Something that caused weakness in his life. Something that caused him to feel like everything wasn't flowing perfectly according to his plan. And God responded to Paul's frustration with the imperfection. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In other words, God is more attracted to your imperfections than your perfections. Your imperfections are an invitation for the grace of God. And I don't know about you, but I need grace. Anybody else need grace? Those who didn't raise their hands, we've now spotted the perfectionist in the room. I'm just kidding. You know a perfectionist when they say, I know I'm not a perfectionist. I perfectly know well that I am not a perfectionist. Do you dislike the idea that you may be just average in some area of your life, that you're not as good as one of your closest friends? Do you struggle with contentment in where you are at in life? Like, it's just hard to be happy because things aren't perfect. We haven't moved into the perfect house. My car is not perfectly clean. My kids have not gotten their act together. And because things aren't perfect, I can't be happy. Here's what perfectionism does. It drives us to have a restless soul. It it drives you to the point of exhaustion. It it keeps you constantly on the treadmill, being busy, and never enjoying relationships. Perfectionism kills connectionism. That's good right there. God's goal is not for you to have everything perfect and everybody shaped up and you never have a flaw in your life and nobody else has flaws. God's goal is for you to enjoy who he's called you to be, where he's placed you, and be in a process called sanctification, which means every single day I'm getting closer to Jesus, and I may not be perfect, but he is making me more like him. And I don't have to live with a constant anger at myself and the world and everybody else for their flaws. Perfectionism. It's a killer. It's a killer to relationship with Jesus. Do you often feel guilty because you do not accomplish the things that you see others doing? Perfectionism. I begged God to fix this area, Paul said. But God said, my grace is made perfect in your weaknesses. Our society craves perfection even with our phones as we're taking pictures. And and I want to take a selfie today, but I'm going to take my jacket off because I really want to show my tan, you know, because... We always want to show the best parts. Like pastors, we always post the picture with the most people in the background. Like, don't show the empty row, you know? And we always, we always want to wear like a black shirt that hides our curves. Like, I want to look as skinny as possible. You know, I got I to gotta make sure I get the tan right. And so we, we take the picture. Here we go, a little selfie. Boom. And then what do we do? We begin to filter it. 
because filtering is a part of the perfectionist desire, the mindset. So I wanna filter this with you for a little bit. Now let's throw this picture up on the screen. And by the way, my ear is still getting healed, so I'm preaching with, with some imperfection. I can't fully hear as I'm preaching. Um, it, uh, it's okay. Well, let's get on the contrast. Let's turn the contrast up a little bit. Bring the contrast. Yeah, okay, get out of there, get out of there. Let's turn up the warmth. I wanna, I wanna accentuate the golden tan. Yeah, all right. We're done with that, all right, done with that. Go to the brightness, turn the brightness down. Yeah, it's too bright, too bright, you know. Just walking in, yeah, okay, all right, no, that's a little too much. We don't wanna make me an Oompa Loompa, there we go, all right. Done, done, done. All right, now, go over to the sharpness. Go, I wanna get, I wanna make this sharp. I wanna just, yeah, sharpen it up. Perfect, not really. Because what I, if, if I really could make it perfect, I would take a few pounds off my face, right? I'd have that nice jawline. And, and I'd have like a little bit more hair on the top sides of my head. And I, my mustache would be a little more full. I can only grow 120 hairs right here. I've been trying to be a man with a beard since I was a kid. Still can't get it to grow. I didn't even shave this weekend. I was just feeling. But we crave perfection. And, and so we try to filter it on, on Instagram. And, and then, then it's not just on Instagram. We go to the doctor and we go, I need a Botox. Like, I, I, I can't have wrinkles, right? <laughs> oh, please, don't get mad. Don't email me for this right now, okay? We're just having fun, all right? You're not in sin if you got to look at But But, but we, we try to fix everything. I need this a little bit more, this, and I need this bigger, I need this, I need to trim this right here, and a little bit of this, and, and if I could just have the perfect body, like if I could, and, and it's not just women, it's men, all of us, like we just crave perfection. We want it. And we might impress people with our perfections, but we connect people with our weaknesses. We connect with people with our, with our shortcomings. Like strengths might, might appear impressive to people, but I really connect with you when you got toilet paper hanging out your jeans. Because I'm like, that's my bro right there. <laughs> we are the people of Walmart, let's go. <laughs> do, you, do you feel that you have no purpose in life unless you can make a spectacular performance or a contribution in some way? Like, I'm not special or significant unless I do something spectacular. That's a perfectionist mindset. By the way, there is a spectrum of perfectionism. And the healthy side of this is moving away from perfectionism and moving into a spirit of excellence. Like, there is a healthy side. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they had a spirit of excellence. And excellence says, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to work hard for the glory of God. And I'm going to do things with excellence. And I'm going to be disciplined. And I'm going to be organized. I'm going to do my best. That's excellence. That's healthy. Perfectionism is not for the glory of God. It's for the glory of me. And it's, and it's this attachment that my identity is on the line here. People are watching. And if, I don't, and if I don't succeed, and if I don't do something spectacular, and if the project, if the party is not perfect, did we get enough donuts? Did we have enough balloons? We should have put a hallway there. The chairs were too soft. They were too hard. And, and, and if he would just get his act together, and if our kids could just appear perfect at church, and if you just wouldn't make mistakes in front of everybody, that's not healthy. That's a stronghold in your mind. The enemy is in no hurry to destroy someone if he can just convince them of a lie in their mind. Because then he's got you captive. He's got you in this captive thought that says, I'm not good enough unless I'm perfect and I am going to work hard, 
If I have to stay up all night, get up early in the morning, I won't even rest. I won't take a vacation. Perfectionism drives us to never rest. Perfectionism drives some people to eating disorders. By the way, this series, we are going to dive deep into everything that happens with mental and emotional health, and I won't even apologize for it. There are people here in this church, and this is no, this is no condemnation because I think all of us have a little bit of perfectionism in our minds, if we're really honest. But there's people, people here, and you can't even enjoy a meal because you're looking at the Instagram models, which are fake. I'm not sorry, that sounded so harsh. They're real people, but they have flaws too. We can hide stuff on Instagram. We can make ourselves look skinnier and tanner, and, 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 and yet it drives some people to throw up after everything. It drives some people to look in the mirror and go, I'm never skinny enough. And it drives us to this place of just unhealthy thoughts. And you know when you're drifting that way. You know when you're starting to get into this perfectionism, performance mentality. Do you find it hard to believe compliments because you don't meet your own standards? I've been there before. I'll, I'll finish doing something like preaching a sermon or leading a meeting or doing something as a church. People say, hey, that was a great decision. I love the For the Future building. And you're doing a great job leading Paul. Man, you led that meeting so well. And that, that sermon was, was great. And in my mind, I go, they don't mean it. They're just having pity for me. They're just feeling sorry for me because my father passed away. They're just, they're just trying to make me feel better. And I don't believe the compliments, not because they're not genuine, but because of my own perfectionism. And I'm telling you, a perfectionist struggles daily to feel worthy. Struggles daily to feel good enough. Struggles to even go on a vacation. I gotta work when I'm on vacation. I gotta work on my day off. I'm never good enough. I didn't do enough. I didn't do it right enough. Do you miss out on the joy of living today because you're so busy worrying about whether you will be able to do all the things that you are committed to do in the future? A perfectionist believes that God's special affection and attention and love will never come until you shape up and meet the higher standards for prayer, Bible reading, devotions, witnessing. I haven't done enough for God, so I'm not worthy of his love. Do you feel that keeping your appearance and home immaculate is important to keeping the approval of others or maintaining a sense of peace? I just can't have peace until all the dishes are clean. I can't have peace. God won't love me until my car is perfectly clean, until my house is perfectly clean. Wrong. And it's robbing you of joy and peace. And I'm coming for it today. I'm coming for it today. I remember mowing this lawn when I was a teenager. And this is a story I've been waiting to tell. There's some stories you have to wait years and years and years to tell. This person is no longer here. And... Uh, <laughs> This is about 18 years ago. I remember mowing this lawn, and uh, me and John, we had a lawn mowing business, and, and so this guy says, I need you to mow my lawn, and I need you to do it perfect. I, I want it to look like a golf course. You see these other lawns over there? They're not as good as my lawn. I pride myself in my lawn, and I am taking a risk letting you teenage boys touch my grass. And I was like, yes, sir. What do we need to do? And he goes, I need you to mow it short tight. I need the edge right here. I need the weed eater right there. I need you to make it perfect, perfect in all of its ways. I am only, I am not satisfied unless it's perfect. I was like, yes, sir. I was for sure that he said to scalp it. <laughs> I honestly thought he said, I want you to scalp it. And so, so I, I put that thing on the lowest setting. Man, I took that thing all the way down to the dirt. 
I was like, he is going to love this. I'm giving him a buzz cut, right? You know, I'm like, <laughs> if I was doing, if I was a hairdresser and I was doing a buzz cut, this was like level one. Like there was, you, you could see the scalp, you know, just a little bit of hair left. And um, he left, he, he, went, he went to go run some errands. He comes back as I'm finishing the lawn. He gets out of his car, falls on his knees and starts crying and screaming. He's like, you blankety blank, 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 blank. You messed up my whole yard and I'm gonna kill you. He's like so angry. So I'm backing up like I need to call the cops right now. My life is being threatened. And he was so mad at me. Left our church, (laughs) never came back. And I, I said, hey, I will pay whatever I need to pay to fix your grass. I'm so sorry. I was trying to do it right. I thought you wanted me to scalp it. And he was just hitting his head. And he was like, where did you get that? You blankety blank, 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 screaming at me, calling me every name in the book. And, and uh, I went home. I was like, Dad, I gotta, we got we to gotta buy some sod. We got to fix this man's yard. I, I'll, I'll empty my, like, whatever I need to do to pay for it. And so, you know, I, I sent him money and, and apologized. My dad said, you know, you, you've obviously missed it. But he said the way he reacted to you was wrong. And I just think, you know, for a perfectionist, it doesn't just affect us. It affects everyone around us because no one's ever nothing. Like a perfectionist parent is constantly pounding their kids. You didn't do enough. You better get your act together. You better be fast. You better clean. You better do this and do that. And, and, and you, might, you might be thinking, man, I'm creating the best golfer in the world. But what happens 20 years later? After as a kid, he's grown up with a dad who just screamed at him to be perfect. What happens to that tennis player, Andre Agassi, Tiger Woods? What happens? Growing up with a perfectionist, performance mentality, it makes us great pretenders. It makes us great performers. Making the outside look perfect in all of its ways while we look for escape routes, right? To handle the pressure of appearing perfect in the eyes of our parents, in the eyes of the press. As NBC's watching, ABC's watching, I got to perform well. Perfection is a killer. The pressure to be perfect. So I want to give you six truths about perfectionism that we can find in God's Word. Number one, perfectionism does not make you more successful. Believe it or not, being perfect actually doesn't make you a more successful person. Perfectionism is not the same as excellence or a healthy striving to do your best. Perfectionism is an unrelenting standard that can never be met. It's an impossible standard. It's an intolerance for mistakes. Did you know the definition of perfect means to have no mistakes, no defects, no flaws, no faults? Newsflash, none of us meet that standard. No matter how amazing you might think you are, perfectionism is an impossible standard. And it it becomes mentally paralyzing. It leads to a stronghold. It stifles creativity. It stifles you from ever trying anything because of the fear of not doing it perfectly. Number two, perfectionism does not make you more likable. We often think that being perfect is going to help us be accepted or liked or that perfectionism will protect us from rejection or abandonment. But instead, perfectionism creates emotional distance. It doesn't create connection between us and others. True connection requires vulnerability. Again, we impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses. It doesn't matter how amazingly perfect I could do a job. 
It, it matters, was I vulnerable enough? And the more vulnerable I am, that means the more I trust you to like me for who I am. You should feel loved and trusted because I'm pretty vulnerable with y'all every Sunday. I try to just come as real as it. What you see is what you get. Sometimes you get a little bit of this, right? We always got to deal with this. Everybody's got a little bit of this. And we got to clean this up. There's always a butt to be cleaned up. You know what I'm saying? So, like, and you know what? That makes you human because we all... You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and here's what I'm saying about this. By the way, this is clean in case you're wondering, like, this is just gross. I'm out of here. <laughs> but you know what? We think that if I'm perfect, more people will like me. No, no, no. It's actually the opposite. <laughs> the more perfect you come across, people are like, I just don't. I just can't handle. But when you come with that, that sense of this is who I am, the authentic you is the best version of you. That's who God created you to be. He made you fearfully and wonderfully made. You're a masterpiece, not because you perfectly performed great, but because you're a child of God. Number three, perfectionism costs you precious time. Some perfectionists will spend inordinate amounts of time on day-to-day -day activities, such as cleaning, so that their house, their car, their desk are immaculate, right? Like redoing tasks until they're perfect. But they were perfect before that. You messed up the dishes. You put them in the dishwasher the wrong way. And you left the toilet seat up. And Paul, the chairs here are too comfortable. It's movie theater seats. We need to fix that because we're falling asleep during your sermon. And listen, I walked through the hall and you need, there's something wrong. And it's this constant, I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention to so many flaws. And then I'm spending all of this time trying to fix everything that maybe not everything's supposed to be fixed. I don't know. Like maybe, maybe, maybe we're in a process and we're becoming more like Jesus and you can go to sleep at the end of the day, even though you didn't accomplish everything. And even though one hanger is off from the rest of the hangers in the closet. Like maybe we don't have to live with such an insane standard of perfection. And maybe that'll set us free from so much pain and hurt. Number four, perfectionists frequently feel frustrated, unfulfilled, and inadequate. When we expect perfection, we're never satisfied. It's never enough, never good enough. We're never happy with our performance or our appearance. Well, if I could just lose a few more pounds. If someone's trying to pay you a compliment, well, they don't mean it. I just need to lose a little bit more weight. I just got, by the way, y'all, I was preaching this message like five years ago, and this, this lady came up to me after the sermon. She goes, don't you know the scripture? Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. I said, yes. By the way, I'm going to address that scripture at the end of this message, so stay for the whole thing. Because this message is meaty. I gotta get, I've got to work my way to that. She goes, aren't we supposed to be perfect? Because I, I preached a sermon and I said, God's okay with your crooked tooth. Because I, I got a crooked tooth down here. If you have never noticed it, I try to hide it in my smiles. But it's there. It's on the bottom teeth. And, um, and she goes, God wants you to get that tooth fixed. I kid you not. You know what I told her? I said, did you notice that my nose is crooked too? I said, look close here. I broke my nose when I was a teenager, and it never did go back to the other way. I got a little Owen Wilson nose going on over here. And I was like, you know what? God loves my crooked nose. I don't have the Joel Osteen teeth, but you know what? I got the Paul Darty teeth. And you know what? God loves. His grace is made perfect in our weaknesses. And I said, also, that scripture you're saying is not about the outward appearance. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Like get a Botox as your heavenly father has a Botox. No wrinkles, 
<laughs> get all the body jobs you need to get as your heavenly father also does over time because we all age and we all need to get stuff fixed and make sure, make sure our bodies always look perfect. No, like what? He wasn't talking about outward appearance. Jesus actually cared less about the religious people's obsession with clean cars and clean cups and clean dishes. Jesus said, you clean the outside, but your inside is filthy. You got so much jealousy, envy, comparison. You got so much stuff you need to, where's that toilet paper? We got some stuff we need to clean out your booty, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, guys, it's summertime. Relax. Let's just have some fun, all right? Don't get mad at me. <laughs> Embrace the imperfections. But, but I'm serious. Our, even religion, religion kills authenticity. It just makes us really great performers and really like stiff-necked perfectionists. And we're making ourselves miserable and everybody else. And Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. If you're exhausted with the treadmill of perfectionism, come to Jesus and find rest for your souls. We got to get mentally healthy, church. Emotionally healthy. We got to. And I remember hearing this story. It was an old Chinese proverb of this woman. Every day she would leave her house with two pots. And she would walk down to the creek about a half mile and then walk back to her house. And she would water the flowers. But these two pots were different from each other. One of the pots had a crack in it and a little bit of a hole. The other pot was perfect. No cracks, no defects, no holes, no flaws. So every day she would carry these pots full of water back to the house. By the time she got to the house, the cracked pot obviously was down to just being half full. And day after day she would do this. And finally that cracked pot spoke up and said, why do you keep me? Why do you still want to have me? I, I'm such a failure. I'm not like this other pot with no flaws. I, I have so many flaws and cracks, and, and I'm not even useful for you. Why do you still keep me? And she goes, you don't understand. I planted flowers along the path, and every time I walk up to the house, it's your cracks that water those flowers, and those flowers are beautiful because of your flaws. And I think about how Paul the Apostle wished that he didn't have to handle this weakness in his life. But God said, my grace is perfected in your weakness. I'm building beautiful gardens through your flaws. Paul, through your crooked tooth and your nose and your pimples and your imperfections and your inability to ever preach the most flawless sermon, I'm ministering to people who are broken, who are hurting, who need to know there's a preacher who doesn't come across like he's got it all together. I'm using your vulnerability. I'm using your weakness. In your weakness, my grace is perfected. Our weaknesses and our, our vulnerable things are the invitation for God's mercy and grace. The sixth point, actually the fifth point, perfectionism isn't possible and it isn't healthy for our soul. If you're perfect, there's no room for growth. There's nothing left to learn, nothing left to strive for. The truth is no one is perfect all the time. All of us have moments where we miss it. We get impatient, we get frustrated, we feel afraid, we feel discouraged. And it's not healthy for your soul to plague yourself feeling like you've got to be perfect. But leads me to my final point here, and that is number six, perfectionist thoughts and behaviors can be changed. There's hope. If you feel like you're a slave to perfectionism, today's your day for freedom. It's time to sign your declaration of independence. So I want to leave you with three thoughts that I think can bring us into a place of freedom from the perfectionism mindset. Number one, repeat after me, I'm not perfect. 
I didn't hear everybody say. I'm just kidding. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> There's a reason why I didn't make that point, you're not perfect, because that'd be easy for you to say. You just point at someone and be like, you're not perfect. Pastor Paul's not perfect. We all know that, right? But it's hard when you have to say it about yourself. I'm not Again, the definition of perfect means to be entirely without fault. Is anyone here entirely without fault ever in your life? No. No. Romans 3 verse 23 says, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short in some way. We've all missed the bullseye. Righteousness is a bullseye. Like, it has to be spot on. Otherwise, if it has any defect, it's not righteous. I cannot attain righteousness through my performance. The Bible says that my righteous acts are filthy rags in God's eyes. No matter how hard I try to appear perfect, to impress you, to never miss a moment, to never have a bad day, I, I can't get there. I can't do it in my own ability, my behavior. I cannot earn righteousness through my perfect performance. But here's the second thought that I think can set us free. He is perfect. He is the righteous standard that I need. I'm not going to look to a person or to myself. This allows me to take me off the throne of my heart. Perfectionism is rooted in pride. This is why Lucifer fell. He thought he could be God himself. He thought, I'm just as good as God. I'm just as perfect and holy as God. The second he exalted himself on the throne of his heart, perfectionism is rooted in a prideful like me, do it myself. I'm a self-made millionaire. I'm a self-made success story. I built my success. No, you didn't. Who gave you that body? Who gave you those ears? Who gave you those eyes? Who gave you those hands, those feet? Who gave you those gifts? Who gave you that personality? God did. Put him back on the throne of your heart so you could take a vacation. Put him back on the throne of your heart so you could take a day off. Put him back on the throne of your heart so you could stop beating yourself up and putting so much pressure on yourself to always get it 100% right. You're not going to be able to. You won't hit the standard of perfection, but he is perfect. Psalm 1830 says, as for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He used flawed people, but he accomplished a flawless plan. He moved through the hearts of broken men and women and brought a son into the world, a messy manger with an imperfect father, an imperfect mother. Mary and Joseph were not perfect in all of their ways, but Jesus was. Jesus was. He was examined even by Pilate himself. Pilate, Pontius Pilate, three times in John 19, said, I see no flaws in this man. I see no faults in this man. He is perfect in all of his ways. He's never made a mistake. Jesus was able to go to the cross for you and for me because he was perfect. He was able to purchase our righteousness because he never sinned once in his life. Never had an Im Im imperfect thought. Never had a, a, an, an angry thought, an impatient feeling towards people. Jesus was fully submitted to God. That's why he paid the price for us. I'm not perfect, but he is perfect. Hebrews 4 verse 15 says, we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every single way, just as we are, yet he never sinned. Which leads me to my last thought that can set your mind free. I am perfected in Christ. I am not perfected by my performance. I am perfected by the blood of Jesus Christ. The word perfected. When you read the scripture that that woman threw at me the day that I preached this message, 
She said, what about the scripture in Matthew 5, verse 48, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. I wanted to understand the scripture more. What was Jesus saying? Was he saying that I have to have perfection in every single thing that I do in my, like, like I'm never allowed to ever miss it, and if I do, then I'm going to hell? No. The Hebrew translation of this word right here means be complete. In fact, perfected in this moment right here, Jesus said, the, the definition of this word actually means finished. What Jesus was saying is, you will be complete lacking nothing once I go to the cross. Because in John 19, 30, the perfect Savior stretched his hands out with nails in his hands, scars on his back, and a crown of thorns on his head. And he said, it is finished. What was he saying? For all the perfectionists in the world who have never met the standard of their own perfection, for all the religious people, for the Zacchaeuses and the Rahabs and the Noahs and the Adams and the Eves and the David and, and, and the Sauls and the Solomons and the Peters, for all these guys and girls who've been striving for perfection, I am now bringing what they've been looking for their whole life. It is finished. He forgives you. He loves you. He justifies you before God. He calls you righteous. My righteousness doesn't come from my perfect performance, but my faith in the spotless blood of the Lamb of God without faults or defects. He brings me to a finish. He completes me. He calls me his own. So here's the truth. You are enough in Christ. Your life is enough in Christ. We have a perfect savior who never runs out of grace for us. We need grace on a regular basis. We need grace for ourselves and we need grace to give to others. When I receive this, when I start living, when I ditch the, the inner critical voice telling me that I'm not worthy unless I'm perfect, when I ditch this inner constant murmuring cap, like, like stronghold thought in my head that says I didn't do enough good things today and then I'm not able to rest, once I get rid of that, I'm able to own my testimony. I'm able to own the gifts that God's put inside me. I'm able to look at the scriptures and realize God can use my imperfections for his glory. I remember watching this Billy Graham YouTube video where he told a story. He said, when I was a young boy, I got asked to preach as a teenager. I was so excited, it was my first time to preach. I was afraid that I would run out of content, so I prepared four sermons. Just in case one went really short, I would go right into the next. He said, my pastor gave me 40 minutes. He said, I preached all four sermons in less than 10 minutes. He said, I was so discouraged, I went and sat down on the front row, didn't do an altar call, nobody responded to my message. He said, I buried my head in my hands and said, I'm a failure of a preacher. The world doesn't need Billy Graham. There's no space for me. I'm not good at this. The world would have missed out on one of the greatest evangelists of our time had Billy believed the lie in his mind. When I look at the stories in the Bible, I look at how God used so many imperfect people. Noah was a drunk man. Abraham was called too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar, a deceiver. Leah was called ugly by her husband. Joseph was abused. He was accused of being a rapist by so many people. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair. He was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David was an adulterer and 
man a murderer. And God said, this man is after my own heart. Elijah was depressed and suicidal. He was called a maniac by people. Isaiah preached naked. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Peter denied Christ three times. The disciples fell asleep while they were praying. Zacchaeus was too short. Martha was a perfectionist, worrying about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced four times. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer. Lazarus was dead. What's your excuse? God doesn't call the perfect people. He qualifies who he calls. Perfection is not the price of admission to be used by God. Perfection is not the price of admission into the kingdom of God. I want you to stand to your feet all over this place. I believe the grace of God is here to meet you wherever you're at, whatever you're facing, whatever you're dealing with. I'm gonna ask us just to close our eyes all over this room. Maybe the enemy's been messing with your mind. Maybe he's been playing some mind games with you lately, making you feel like you failed, making you feel like you're unworthy. Maybe he's been keeping you on a treadmill of restlessness. Maybe he's been keeping you in a place of fear. Maybe he's been holding you in a pattern of inferiority, inadequacy, feeling like you don't measure up to others. Maybe you found yourself constantly comparing your life with other people's lives. Maybe you find yourself in a place of paralyzation mentally, feeling like you can't take a step forward. Maybe you just beat yourself up, just never feel good enough. Today, the grace of God is here. I've been saying this whole weekend that I'm a recovering perfectionist because every now and then the enemy still tries to come at me with those lies, but I'm continuing to become more like Jesus and trust in his grace. Maybe you're here and you can relate. You just need to surrender to God. You need him to heal, to touch this part of your mind, your heart. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you today, I want you to just lift your hand up all over this room. Yes, sir, yes, ma'am, yeah, yeah. From the front to the back. Maybe you've been in church your whole life, but you just feel like, man, I just, I've, I've wrestled with not measuring up. I've wrestled with not feeling worthy. I've wrestled with this perfectionist, this performance, this driving. Maybe you're here today and you just say, man, my thoughts need renewing. My mind needs renewing. If your mind just needs renewing today, I wanna pray. Maybe you've been having thoughts that are just not from God. You just say, man, would you pray for my mind? All over this room, if you raised your hand or wanted to raise your hand, I'm gonna ask you to leave your seat. Come and join me at this altar. One of the ways that we break this mental stronghold is we take an outward step of faith. And it's a vulnerable step because it's in front of people, but it doesn't matter what they think. It's between you and God because today you're saying, Lord, I'm asking you to renew my mind. I'm asking you to help me walk in victory in these thoughts, in these patterns. Yeah, cheer on brave men, brave women, sons, daughters, husbands, wives, grandparents, mothers, fathers. Come on, today's your day. Today is your day. You know, it's, it's interesting, we're gonna sing a worship song here. Society calls this month Pride Month, but I feel like this is Humility Month because humility is the path towards victory. Pride exalts me, my ways, my thoughts, my ideas, how I think the world should be ran, how I think my body and my everything, it's all about me. But humility says, Lord, I surrender to you. Lord, I'm asking for your will, I'm asking for your thoughts, I'm asking for your ways. God, I'm coming under your authority. And that's what we're doing when we bring our minds, we're taking captive of thoughts that aren't from God. We're saying, Lord, I surrender to you. I receive your grace. If you need grace today, maybe you've just been wrestling. 
with just some thoughts of condemnation, just feeling unworthy, not good enough today. Come to the altar, find grace in his presence. Find grace in your imperfections. It's an invitation. It's space for grace. Let's just sing this worship song as we do. If you want to come to the altar, come and meet us down here. Let's take a few minutes to linger in his presence. Yeah. unfulfilled, unsatisfied. That perfectionist voice, it, it keeps us in that pattern of feeling constantly frustrated, critical. But I hear God saying, I, I wanna set you free from that, that voice that says things always need to be fixed. You always need to be fixed. Things always need to be filtered, edited. Just hear God saying, come as you are. Many nights when I'm laying my kids down to sleep, I'll sing the old song, yes. Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, yes, 
Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. I don't sing it, yes, Jesus loves me, I've earned his love today. I don't sing, I've worked hard enough today. I preached a perfect sermon. I never made a mistake. Yes, he loves me because I've been such a good performer today. I don't sing that. I said, the Bible tells me that while we were still sinners, Christ demonstrated his love for us. God so loved the world. He loves you when your car is clean and when your car is dirty. He loves you when the house is perfect, when the party was pulled off perfect, when you did it just right for their birthday, when you crossed all the T's, dotted the I's, but he loves you when you missed it too. He loves you when you accidentally, you know, gave the wrong gift or rewrapped a gift and they all saw it and, you know, whatever it is, like those days or even when you feel like you've, you've made mistakes, when you feel like you've missed it spiritually, you haven't read your Bible enough, haven't prayed enough, he loves you. And it's not an excuse to live uh, uh, you know, in, in, in sin, but it's just a reminder to invite his grace in your life. It's not an excuse to say, oh, I can do whatever I want. No, it's just saying, Lord, I thank you that each day, even when I don't get it all right, that your grace is meeting me at the end of the day and allowing me to go to sleep tonight and allowing me to wake up and realize that his mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, that I'm becoming more like Jesus. Just put your hand on your mind and just say this. I am the righteousness of God. I am forgiven. I am redeemed. I am healed. I am valuable. I am a child of God. I have the mind of Christ. I have a good life because of Jesus. I have what I need through Jesus Christ. So I am thankful for what God has done. Lord, I pray for every person in this room. God, I, I just thank you that today you're breaking down strongholds in the mind, God, of perfectionism. Lord, I thank you that you're bringing us to that place, God, of receiving your mercy and grace. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that today is a good day. This is the day the Lord has made. God, I pray, Lord, as we leave today, we leave with, with just joy, God, that your yoke is easy, your burden is light, God. Thank you that you're with us on the good days, the bad days, the days that aren't easy, Lord, that you're, you're taking that garment of heaviness and you're replacing it with a garment of praise in people's hearts and minds. If, if you're here today and you just need to surrender to Jesus, you need to give your heart to Jesus, would you pray this prayer with me, all of us today? Say, Jesus, I surrender. I repent of my sin and I receive your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross. You rose from the dead. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We love you. God bless you. Thanks for being here today.